Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Thursday, September 26th, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adioli, and joining me, we have IGN's Pear Schneider. Hey. Pear, <laughs> how's it going? How are you doing? Good. Tired. Yeah? Yeah, I just got back from Japan. Oh, really? Delivering my daughter to college. Wow. She went to college for four years. So yeah. In Japan. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. So I'm dealing with all the, you know, kind of like dad worry stuff mm -hmm. being, I don't know how many thousand miles away, but, uh, wow. And, and all that jet lag on top of it. So if I fall asleep during the show, <laughs> it's not your fault. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, Paris, since Greg is a heartless ba uh, bastard, uh, he kind of threw me into the deep end. And so since I got here, I've been like compiling the, the doc and you've been here for like 30 minutes. I haven't actually gotten to uh, talk to you yet. Do you know at all like what's going on here? What, um, why Greg brought you out here to- No, explain post? it to me. Um, and so essentially, uh, Kind of Funny is doing this up and comer thing where uh, they brought somebody from their community who was me uh, to come here and host uh, for a week. Uh, and you know, Greg floated the idea of, hey, like you can essentially host with whoever you want, bring out somebody who uh, you want to host with, host with, whether it's because you admire the work or whether uh, or whatever reason it may be. Um, you were uh, one of my picks, one of my two picks Aww. for uh, co-hosts. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I picked you because I've been a fan of IGN forever. Um, I really admire the site and what you've kind of built it up to be. Um, I've been I've been following Greg since you know he was on Beyond, um, and so yeah, I'm a big fan of what you do there, and so I really wanted to uh, get to host with you. Face That's face. awesome. Well, thank you for having me. That's very nice. Of course. I thought uh, I thought I came here to drink all the Lacroix. There's only <laughs> there's nine, a lot of Lacroix. Nine hundred thousand cans left. I noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys are really making a dent there. Yeah. We're yeah. halfway through. We're halfway. Through. I love seeing all the discontinued flavors from like 1998 <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> so, pair people. For most, for the most part, people probably know you. People probably know IGN. But for those who might not be fully in the know, uh, Pear, what is your role at IGN? What am I? Uh, I'm the chief content officer, and I uh, oversee all content production, so editorial, video, as well as product, which mm -hmm. I took uh, took on two weeks ago, and we're building some cool stuff for the website. Um, you know, we've got some ideas on how to combine content creation and tools into something unique. Mm. So that's that's what I'm working on. Right awesome. Now. Yeah. Exciting. Um, what's your favorite part about working at IGN? My favorite part. Well, it's you're making your your hobby your job, right? Yeah. It's kind of like this. Uh, I've loved video games. Uh, you know, ever since I was a a wee lad playing my Fairchild Channel F. Oh wow! Yes, that was one of the old consoles <laughs> with removable cartridges, and then you know, since then I've always been about video games, and then obviously all the pop, pop culture stuff that's popped up over the years and become mainstream, like you know your comic book franchises and Star Wars and all that stuff that is back and bigger now. So mm. IGN is like the perfect combo. I get to watch stuff early, play stuff early, and just a trick yeah. to play games early. That's I mean, it. video games are awesome, uh, and that's why we're doing the show. We're going to get to talk about video games, such as The Last of Us Part 2, because today is Outbreak Day. Um, we all, we're also going to talk about some Oculus news and more, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live, right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. If you're watching live, you can correct, you can correct us um, when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Uh, if you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames or listen on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games daily. To be a part of the show, head to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free. Before we get into it, uh, a few things for housekeeping. First, thank you to our Patreon producers, patreon.com slash re-retro-games, Blackjack, and Muhammad Muhammad. Today, we're brought to you by Upstart, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. Time for some news. We have five items today. Oh, Baker's Dozen! Yeah. Um, first, The Last of Us Part Two, Outbreak Day is today and the floodgates have opened as far as takes news impressions i know later on uh on patreon today uh kind of funny games no kind of funny games cast right yeah kind of funny games cast uh is gonna be live on patreon and greg will be giving some of his impressions on the last of us part two there um but you know since the floodgates have opened there have been a couple of uh newsworthy uh uh i guess news items that have come up uh that we should we should discuss firstly um, the Last of Us Part Two won't have multiplayer after all. Uh, this story comes from U.S. gamers uh, Katie McCarthy. 
It reads, it turns out that The Last of Us Part 2 actually won't have a multiplayer mode, contrary to reports last year saying otherwise. At an event earlier this week, Naughty Dog lead uh, lead game designer Emilia Schatz, <laughs> confer- Schatz. Okay. confirmed the lack, uh, the lack of multiplayer in an interview with US Gamer. In a follow-up after the event, Sony reconfirmed the news. Uh, quote, we're focusing on a single-player experience, so we're just making a single-player game uh, for this. Uh, Schatz said during the uh, the event when asked about what sort of form the previous, previously confirmed multiplayer mode would take. Quote, correct, it is a single-player game. An end quote. A Sony representative subsequently clarified over email. Previously, at E3 2018, co-directors Kurt Margino and Anthony Newman confirmed to outlets such as Polygon and GameSpot that The Last of Us's multiplayer would be making a comeback. And so we got a question in from the five-star man uh, and says, hello, Blessing, and welcome, Pair. It was confirmed today that The Last of Us 2 would not have multiplayer. What do you think uh, sparked this change, especially since the first game's multiplayer was so re- well-received? Do you think it is possible for a multiplayer mode to be eventually added in the future? All the best, the five star man. Pear, have you are you familiar with the last Last of Us's multiplayer mode? Yeah, I, I didn't play it a ton, but I'm mm-hmm. familiar. I, I mean, look, I I think what sparked the the change is the PlayStation Four. You know, has some life left, but mm-hmm. you know, once the PS Five is announced and and Sony's marketing machine is going to kick in, they'll focus a lot on it. And like. Mm-hmm. The Last of Us 2 arrives a little late in the life cycle. Like, February is pretty late. This should have been a big holiday title. And I think I think the motivating factor here is time. Get it. Get this game out on time. Hmm. And then I bet they're going to double dip. Just like last time, we'll see The Last of Us 2 on the PlayStation of 5. Course. And what better way to sell it on that platform than to have an all-new mode and, you know, add multiplayer then. I will admit that this is uh, somewhat of a bummer to me because I loved... Uh, the last of us's multiplayer mode um especially the i think it was survival or survivor where it's essentially last man standing 4v4 um really fun mode i know i was having a conversation with uh barrett on the way here uh because he was he, he i don't think he had played the last of us's multiplayer mode but he had played uncharted's um and I, I i was kind of explaining that like the thing that makes last of us's multiplayer so special is the fact that it is slow and it is all about stealth and it is all about um the listening mechanic from single player is present in the multiplayer and so like if you're running and somebody's in listen mode they will see you clearly they'll know where you are and uh the multiplayer is all about getting the jump on an, on the other person and so like for the last of us part two you know i've been wondering like what multiplayer would look like in that game because I think there's a lot of room for for potential as far as where they can take it with like, you know, maybe adding clickers and infected in the multiplayer or maybe doing a horde mode or maybe I mean, I know like this this is thinking like this is galaxy brain type stuff, but like even like a battle royale esque thing. I I imagine like hundred players is is off the table, but even like you know if they could get like a twenty player battle royale mode or something like that, right? Um, that could be a really cool thing. There's like there are a lot of options because Last of Us. Uh, with their systems and their mechanics in those game in in that game, uh, there's so much they can do. Um, but I think what you say makes sense. That like, yeah, we're at the end of the life cycle of the PS4. I, I think it's a time thing, right? Yeah. Like, if, if I'm assuming multiplayer, even if farmed out to a different, completely different team, would just push the launch date even further mm-hmm. and, and closer to the PS5, and I, I think that would be an issue. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I always love it when talented studios take a stab at multiplayer and it turns out to be something different. Right? Like companies yeah. that are really good at storytelling, single-player kind of gameplay elements. Like if you think of Splinter Cell, right? Mm-hmm. We got something really special when that team created the an asynchronous multiplayer yeah, mode, right? Yeah, versus Mercs. Yeah, yes. or, you know, or The Last of Us. Like, yep. you... you and and I feel like a lot of multiplayer modes in games that are established now feel the same. You know, battle royale happen, and now every game will add a battle royale mode, as you know. And like yes. I always appreciate when when companies like Naughty Dog come up with something different. That said, when I finished playing The Last of Us, I thought, okay, this story is done. And then when the last one got announced, the next one got announced, I was like. How how are they going to continue this? Like, what will the relationship between these two characters be? I'm not going to spoil the ending of the last one if you're still catching up, but it's mm-hmm. like that was such a big game changer for that game and the relationship of these characters. And how will they address that in the sequel? So I was all about single player. So yeah. if we don't get a multiplayer mode for this version, and maybe we'll get it later on PS5, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, and I think that does make sense. That like you know, Last of Us Part Two will probably probably be re-released on PS5. Come on, hundred percent. But 
Well, my question for you, actually, because thinking about it more, right, what's the chance that the PS5 will be backwards compatible? And if that's the case, is there a need to re-release The Last of Us 2? Well, the the need is they can make a ton of money by yeah. <laughs> upgrading the visuals, right, and, and adding a new mode and then extending the life cycle of The Last of Us. Publishers mm-hmm. are making a lot of money off users playing the games for a long time and, and purchasing new add-on packs and or, or subscriptions. So, uh, I... I yeah, I, I do think that there is still a reason to do that, but I think we can expect from the next generation of platforms, they don't need to be backwards compatible because you can already stream games pretty reliable, right? And like mm-hmm. Stadia is going to push that mentality forward. It's not going to work everywhere, and some people don't have the internet connections for it, but like backwards compatibility is going to be very easy when everything is being streamed from, a, from remote That's true. servers, right? That's very true. Do you think, and this is a totally different question, right? Do you think that this affects reviews at all because last of us like i'm sure if the last of us came out and it didn't have multiplayer right. it would probably still you know be very critically acclaimed and people would still love it and people mm-hmm. would still hold it just as high and i know like for most people probably multiplayer was just this secondary thing that you know it's an awesome secondary thing but it's not necessarily the main course here um do you think that yeah not having a multiplayer is going to affect how people receive this game or even like the value that people feel like they're getting with The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I, I think it, it depends on the reviewers. I mean, value is so subjective, right? Yeah. Somebody may say, you know, Untitled Goose Game is not worth 15 bucks for two hours of gameplay. Others say, no, this was, you know, 15 bucks really well spent, and they see it more like a, a like a movie-going experience or something like that. I think there are there there will be some fans who loved multiplayer like you to the point mm-hmm. where maybe it will feel like a less complete package and i don't yeah. think as a reviewer you can kind of hide your feelings but our kind of review standards and approaches to you know rate a game on the experience it delivers mm-hmm. um not on necessarily the value or what the game could have been right like yeah. it's kind of tough to put that like approach every game from from the angle of saying I want what I got last time I don't want less right yeah and like, uh, but but that said like if you have a, like take FIFA or Madden or something where you have like an annualized franchise where it feels like they want you to buy this game every year but they're they're taking pieces out or you mm-hmm. get in a legacy edition I do think it impacts reviews I think with this game I, I don't think so yeah and it's so interesting with the last of us right because the Last of Us, the first one, right? Even if it was just a single player, mm-hmm. you know, if they came out and they were like, "This yep. game is even seventy bucks or eighty bucks," The Last of Us is just so incredible <laughs> that, like, yeah. you know, I would pay that for The Last of Us Part Two. Um, and so, like, the multiplayer being uh, missing from this release is, is a bummer to me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm still excited for the Last Last of Us Part Two. I'm still gonna pay sixty dollars for it. Yeah. Yeah, but that's why it's great to have multiple reviewers out there and sources you can go to for reviews, right? Like somebody who knows you mm-hmm. and knows that you love the multiplayer, like your your opinion is relevant and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with, you know, being disappointed that a mode is excluded or, you know, like Mario Kart when it launched without a battle mode, people were like, "Well, it's missing this kind of staple of the franchise." So, I think that's it, it, it that's why we have different opinions and different reviewers. Not everybody can take the same approach. Yeah, and this kind of harkens back to the conversation I think me and Greg were having yesterday about uh, Call of Duty. And uh, there's a new story about how there is a special ops mode that is going to be exclusive to PS4 and how that made people happy. Yeah. Like, and I mean, (laughs) it's a similar thing because that a lot, a lot of the complaints are about value and is my $60, you know, my $60 on Xbox isn't worth the same $60 on Mm -hmm. PlayStation, which I understand that argument. Um, And it is difficult because there's a lot of business wrapped wrapped into it right and you know if the spec ops was missing would it still be a 60 dollar product i feel like probably yeah we probably just wouldn't know <laughs> that yeah. there's no like it's it's difficult yeah in that case i think you know reviewers should compare the two versions and if yeah. one version excludes something that like if that mode is amazing and and if you really feel its absence then i think the two versions should get dif- different scores um i'm surprised that they, they do that like excluding yeah. mode seems like such a for no reason. Yeah, than... and in, in the Call of Duty case, it's like a, a year delay, which might as well, I mean, in, in the case of Call of Duty, might as well just <laughs> exclude yeah. it. But um, let's get into the part two of this Last of Us news. Uh, and so uh, in the Last of Us part two, you'll also be killing 
dogs. This comes from GameSpot's <laughs> no, Phil Hornshaw. Dog. They're 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 very aggressive dogs though. No duck zones. <laughs> no duck zones were were harmed in this game. Uh, from GameSpot, this reads: The Last of Us Part Two is adding a lot of tweaks and changes to the formula established by its 2013 predecessor. But probably the most startling is the amped-up brutality you'll see on screen as Ellie shoots, stabs, chokes out, and hacks various uh, other humans to death. That's fine. Yeah, he was he was he was scared. He was scared it was going to be a corgi or something. Naughty Dog's <laughs> Naughty Dog's post-apocalyptic stealth series is about the horrific things you'll have to do to survive. And in addition to murdering a lot of people, you'll also be murdering a lot of dogs. Uh, we recently spent, and this is GameSpot talking. We recently spent about two hours playing The Last of Us Part Two at a press event in Los Angeles, where Naughty Dog introduced us to its smarter, more dangerous human enemies. Joel and Ellie fought and uh, fought and um, killed together truckloads of murderous human survivors in the first game, and Ellie faces more of them in the second. But this time, they've got scent tracking attack dogs to use against you. The dogs add some new wrinkles to stealth gameplay. If they cross the scent trail Ellie leaves as she moves around, they can track her, which means you have to worry about being uh, rooted, on, rooted, rooted out on top of staying out of sight and being quiet. Often you'll have to keep, uh, keep moving or use a distraction to throw, uh, to throw a dog off. You can't just chill out behind a piece of cover to stay safe. Ellie's increased mobility and new capabilities, like crawling through tall grass so she's, so she's tougher to spot, um, helps a lot, as, uh, as do large encounters with interior and exterior locations that give you plenty of options to keep moving and avoid being caught. Um, I included this because I think <laughs> it's such an interesting... Uh, I mean, the killing dogs thing is kind of sad, but it's an interesting gameplay wrinkle, right? Because I think for uh, what we know is The Last of Us, right? Um... I think I said during the state of play, because I noticed during the trailer that they put out on Tuesday, was that we were seeing some of the same enemies, right? We're seeing mm -hmm. the clickers, we're seeing uh, the bloaters, we're seeing um, the just like some of the regular infected, right? And I was curious on what uh, different enemy classes would look like in Last of Us Part Two, or if there would be like a lot more different types of enemy classes than there were in Last of Us Part One, because I. I kind of I, I would kind of want more uh, yeah. from the gameplay. Of Last was part two, and so uh, the idea that there are dogs and they are going to change the way you play because they're they are finding you through your scent fascinates me. I think is a really cool idea. Well, it's not only adding another stealth element, obviously with mm -hmm. the, with your your character leaving a con trail uh, and you having to worry about that, but it's it's a, about a moral choice too. Um, mm -hmm. I, haven't, I haven't played this game yet. I, I you know as I said I was out, but uh, Jonathan Dornbush from IGN went and and went hands on with it as well, and he had the same impression. He said, "Hey, the, the dogs actually add this kind of more moral dilemma where mm -hmm. you want to run away, even though you have the ability to kill them, and you sometimes have to maybe when yeah. you're backed into a corner. They're cute." And they're dogs, yeah. and we love dogs, and it's kind of weird that you'd be okay killing a human, yeah, uh, more so. But like that's that moral dilemma. It like hits you kind of like if you have a dog at home, you're like, I don't want to do this, and so it's a very big difference to fighting a clicker where you just it's yeah. gross and you want to get rid of it. Now you have a a, a dog and yeah. you're sitting in the corner. And you're like, what's the best solution it's now? Like, I, I don't want to hurt this thing. It's an so. added element to yeah. think about, and um, I played Portillo. Oh no, not Pertilla. No. Um, I played Wolfstein Youngblood uh, when that mm -hmm. came out, and you know the the enemies in that game have attack dogs that they have like yeah, but bombs. They're attack dogs. Yeah, they are attack dogs. These are right? like these are like pets. But they're like I'm, I'm sure these are going to be like aggressive like dogs that the enemies are are seeking. Yeah, out, but in the apocalypse, you. it's not like there's a like a pets first shop open selling German shepherds. Like mm. you take any dog you get, and so maybe there'll be some uh, <laughs> some, maybe be some really cute ones. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But I mean, even in Wolfstein Youngblood, right? Like I, it did add a narrative element because. Um, like the dogs had bombs strapped strapped to them, and and of course you're fighting Nazis, and so like they are the embodiment of of evil in in uh in this game, right? And so it made me hate the enemies more, but at the same time, like you know, I did feel kind of sad, you know, killing these dogs because you know, like deep down, I'm like, well, they don't like it's not like the dogs are the ones that are you know enacting these hor these horrible acts of racism and and, and right. doing all this, but um, do you feel bad killing skags in Borderlands? No, they, not they at all. They make cuter <laughs> noises when they die now. No. The skags are ugly. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want more uh, impressions and and, and uh, a much longer, more uh, I guess in detailed conversation about Last of Us Part Two, stay tuned for Gamescast coming out Monday uh, live on Patreon today. Yes, thanks, yeah. Kevin.
There's I had to a, like make eye kind of contact with Kevin, make sure I had all the right, all the right information right there. Nailed it. Yeah, Thank there's you. a lot of new stuff in this game. I, I think uh, if you're into The Last of Us, you, you want to hear some of that stuff. Let's get into our second story of the day. Uh, there's a whole bunch of new Oculus news. Uh, this comes from Harrison Weber over at Fast Company. Um, <laughs> the article uh, says, quote, On stage during its annual developer event, Oculus leaders announced a handful of updates today that seems uh, that seem to inch their vision for VR forward, um, forward and, and whether, whether you like it or not, a bit closer <laughs> toward Facebook. Um, here's a rundown of everything announced so far at Facebook in Oculus's two-day developer event, Oculus Connect. So to start things off, uh, Facebook Horizon, a new social VR world. <gasps> yeah. Um, in a splashy press release, and, and if, you're, if you're a video viewer, uh, Kevin is about to bring up uh, a trailer. You can play the trailer quiet in the background as I, as I read this. Um, in a splashy press release, Facebook called Horizon, quote, the first step into, a, into an ever-expanding world of connection and exploration where anything becomes possible, end quote. Um, imagine it, legless avatars floating this way and Hold that. Why are, they, why are they legless? Not actual oh, yeah. VR they, footage. They mentioned, yeah. it, they mentioned it in the trailer, like, oh yeah, we don't have legs here. It's weird. It's very weird. The trailer is written kind of well because it's kind of funny, but at the same time, very weird and interesting. Well, and because they're not tracking your legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good say. point. They aren't tracking your legs. Like So expression-wise, I think you'll feel separated from the world Absolutely. if you like kicked out your leg and nothing happened, right? Yeah. So they're like, Meh, yeah. get rid of legs. That's a good point. Um, Horizon will replace Facebook's earlier social VR efforts, spaces, and Oculus rooms. It's coming out sometime in the year 2020, uh, though Facebook didn't say exactly when. Because Quest is a standalone device, it's not as powerful as the Rift, but Oculus is throwing Quest users a bone with Oculus Link. Actually, I think I, I think the way I copied and pasted this... Yeah, that's a new thing. That's a different thing. Um, but yeah, this seems to be like a, I guess, a VR social network. Yeah, it's like, you know, PlayStation obviously tried with Home, and yes. uh, there have been some VR apps that are more about kind of linking up with friends. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people ask, well, like, why did Facebook drop, you know, so much money on a, on a VR company with Oculus? And I think this is the time where they're starting to introduce a little bit more of the reason. I mean, they've tried mm -hmm. before, and it was awkward and weird, but, you know, they're... they're thoughts about the future of VR and AR and Facebook is that this is how you will interact with your friends in the future it like it breaks like it makes it a little bit more personal mm -hmm. it looks right now it all looks really awkward and stilted yeah. and fakey like all the happy people like that that guy doing the dishes in the background while you know mm -hmm. uh, while she's talking like move out get get out of that relationship um, yeah. but um <laughs> it's it, it's I think it could be really fun, right? Mm -hmm. what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to do a big chat room with VR where, you know, you're, you can articulate, like, you're, you know, we'll get to the next part, but, like, you can move your hands and stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of like when you're using your custom emoji and, uh, you know, your funny yeah. little animal faces in, uh, in FaceTime and, and so forth, right? Like, it creates, like, a fun element where yeah. you're wearing a mask and you're doing something silly. And then they introduce games into it, like, you can play ping pong, you can do, uh, yeah. you know, these, these little arcade games. Um, but we'll see. That sounds really fun. Like the idea of, you know, I have family uh, kind of spread out all over. Like yep. I have family in uh, Houston and San Francisco and my parents are in Nigeria, right? And so like the idea that we could all get on, get in VR and hang out together in like a, a virtual space together. Yeah. That sounds like a really cool idea, and I'm all for that. But I'm curious, like, right now, the barrier to entry is still really high, right? Even with yeah. the Quest, where when you put it on, you can see the world around you, all that. Uh, or, you know, it, it still feels like you have to go through all these steps, and we, as humans, like convenience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, doing a video chat with, you know, your family on five with five little talking squares and seeing the actual faces, I'd argue still is the is yeah. a little bit more convenient, is still a little bit more personal. Yes. But we'll see. Like it, it really is all about the software. If the software is cool, there's definitely this attraction to seeing a fake version of you um in this world and laughing at that and interacting. Mm -hmm. But are you gonna buy your entire family uh, no <laughs> Oculus headsets? I mean, not. I'm not at that point yet. <laughs> so, and that's like I read an interview with Zuckerberg. I think it was on CNET where he said, "This is you know, like we're not there yet. Like we are VR, VR and AR are going to coexist in the future. And Facebook hasn't done a lot with AR yet. Mm -hmm. um, but like 
hopefully before 2030 we will see vr just get more commonplace if for them to re remove that friction of putting on a headset i love my quest but you know after 10 minutes i'm sweating and i got the red ring on my forehead and yeah. all that right like a lot of stuff has to get better before i think we all feel comfortable jumping into mm. like a uh, put on a fake mustache and chat with your family chat room. Yeah. Because I'm a PlayStation fan, I have to ask this. Do you think there's a chance that uh, PlayStation brings back PlayStation Home and makes it a VR thing? Because you, this seems like that. I mean, with with bringing back things, it all depends on kind of consumer sentiment. Like what companies like Sony would do is, is actually do a, a, a survey out there and find out if people have positive affinity towards the home brand. Mm -hmm. If not, I think... It's better for them to start with something new without like people, yeah, be, without kind of saying like, hey, all your expectations, you know, leave them at the door. This is not home. This is a different experience because I don't know that many people walked away from home saying, I need more. Mm -hmm. Right, like it kind of turned into the. It turned into a meme. It almost. turned into the the that you know Norton's life in Fight Club at the beginning, yeah. where little price tags were on everything, and he had this fake IKEA house, right? Like that's what it felt like, mm -hmm. and it didn't feel like a good experience. But mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they can do something with that brand still. Let's talk about uh, Oculus Quest upgrades. The article continues. Oculus released Quest, its second try at a wireless VR headset, meaning it doesn't require dangling cords and a honking gaming PC, earlier this year. Next, Oculus says it will bring hand tracking to the device that's coming sometime in, quote, early uh, 2020 as an experimental feature. Have you seen the hand tracking videos? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm really excited about it. Again, yeah. I have the Quest. I think the best experiences on the headset are... Um, you know, things where you interact. Like, I love even just the basic kind of, like, onboarding room stuff where you're grabbing rockets and you send them, you know, flying into the air. Like, that mm -hmm. stuff, when when you connect with this virtual world and you're forgetting that you're not actually holding an object, that's the best. But when you're using controllers, you still feel like a crab, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> even though they do some tracking with the fingers already where, yeah. where it shows movement, you still, you're like Dr. Zoidberg, like, you know, yeah, pinching exactly. things. And like, Futurama. with hand tracking, that gets removed. And like, there's something really weird and cool about like seeing your hands rendered as like cartoon gloves mm -hmm. and like actually moving. That said, there, there is more of a delay. So Facebook was quick to point out that, uh, or Oculus, that... Um, the preferred methods of play is still with the controllers. It'll be mm -hmm. more, it'll be more accurate, faster, and all of that. And the hand tracking, finger tracking, it just takes more time. And so there is a little bit more of a lag when you're moving your fingers. Yeah, I, I really hope that uh, that technology continues to improve because if we can get to a point where VR doesn't require, like, if you if hand tracking gets to a point where it is one for one and it just feels right, yep. that's going to be an awesome, awesome improvement for you for VR. And I think that's going to go a long way into establishing it as something that. Um, that works. And it, you know. I mean, it'll it'll be funny to see how like games like Surgeon Simulator ad adapt to it because they're built around the concept that you are <laughs> Doctor Zoidberg yeah. and kind of like messing up. But like, yeah, in in a, in a lot of games where you're even interacting with keyboards and buttons, you always go. It's this awkward like push this button yeah. thing. It's going to become so much more natural when you have finger tracking mm. um, without holding something in your hands. But mm -hmm. another cool thing about VR is when you are actually holding something tangible and it gets rendered as something different in the virtual world and so not having in something in your hand is also a little bit of a limitation so you know yeah. maybe they'll they'll give us some toys with it i will say one of my favorite vr games from this year has been uh, blood and truth yeah uh, which is a psvr game and even though i love that game one of the issues i did have well one thing i loved but at the same time was an issue for me was that um you reload your gun manually and so like you have to like uh, uh take your hand to the, like th to the side to like pull out ammo and then mm -hmm. shove it into your gun and that's very satisfying to do but so like cool, yeah. it doesn't yeah. feel perfect because like there, you get parts where it's like okay well it's not sensing my controller well enough and things or are just I've getting moved, lost i've moved slightly from where i was sitting exactly yeah. thinks that my chest is a little bit forward <laughs> yeah exactly and like you know if hand tracking um w like with the addition of hand tracking and when once that improves to get to a point where it works super well right like i can't imagine like actually you know just grabbing ammo and actually like maneuvering my gun in very intricate ways yeah. to make that work that sounds amazing no that's my 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 impression of of vr and of motion gaming on in the wii age before that was that menial stupid tasks can can be so much so much fun right mm -hmm. like the things you don't think about in a video game when you're using a controller 
um, like I'm thinking of Metroid Prime 3, like just welding a door or something, welding a panel. Like that stuff was fun to do, or pulling a door open. Mm -hmm. And in VR, it is the little things like reloading your gun like this, like having that kind of that actual like tactile feel to doing something menial yeah. is really, really fun. And oftentimes for me, it's more, more exciting than the action. So to continue the article, uh, because Quest is a standalone device, it's not as powerful as the Rift. But Oculus is throwing Quest users a bone with Oculus Link, a way to sort of turn your Quest into a Rift by linking it to a gaming PC if you have one. Oculus says Link will come out in November, and initially you'll need to pick up a USB uh, 3 cable to connect it to a PC. If you want to access games previously on only previously only available on the Rift. Later this year, Oculus says it will it will come out with its own optical fiber cable, quote, to provide a best-in-class experience with maximum throughput to run Rift content uh, and enough length so you can move easily in VR, end quote. The other handy upgrade coming to Quest is pass-through, quote, on-demand, end quote, uh, which uses the device's front, camera, ca front cameras to let you uh, see what's right in front of you in the real world without having to pull off your sweaty headset, which is very convenient. Like, I feel like if you played VR, then you understand how, how uh, um, useful that is. The Quest has, uh, I, I believe it's called the Guardian system, which is like a boundary system yeah. that you can set up. But sometimes when I'm messing around with the Quest, I go into the Guardian system setup because mm -hmm. it gives you a kind of live feed of what's outside. Yeah. yeah. And you can interact without having to change, take no, it off. No, it's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, the, the Quest is an awesome headset, but yeah. what you this, this news is actually really welcome to Quest owners who have a powerful PC mm -hmm. because the lineup of games on the Quest is very limited com compared to the Rift, right? Like, it's the Quest, all the hardware is in the headset. And so it is obviously weaker than your yeah. up-to-date gaming PC. And so using a USB-C cable, I think it was, you're, you're able to, to connect to a, 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 you know, a beefy computer mm -hmm. and get to play all the games that haven't been adapted or kind of you know, scaled down yeah. for the Quest. Is it, is it a different library for the Quest, yes. I imagine? Yeah, okay. very different. Much more limited uh, lineup of games. But of course, the great thing about the Quest is no wire. So now you'll have to tether yourself to your computer again, and you'll need, obviously, a pretty uh, long cable and mm -hmm. uh, but you know, with uh, with Oculus releasing a special cable um, that is not just uh, you know long enough for you to move around freely, but actually charges your head headset. That's really important as well because yeah. you know that that's one of the limitations of the the Quest is you know obviously the mm -hmm. because it's not tethered. You're yeah. gonna have to take it off and recharge it. I I think I found like the battery lasts uh, like a shocking amount. From what, yeah, what I've, really. Like, that's because you don't yeah. have kids, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, seriously. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the quest. I, I can't. I, yeah, I, I can't play. It's okay. I can't play VR for like three hours. Yeah. Uh, you know, in in one sitting. But like with my kids, like they'll play something. I'm like, come on, let me play. I uh, bought this uh, damn uh, thing. Uh, Bye. Uh, <laughs> right, and then it's like. 15% battery remaining and like mm. it kills the vibe of yeah, that headset yeah, yeah, to have yeah. to like find an outlet and like play closer and stuff. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Lastly, Oculus, Oculus announced a few marquee games that are headed to the Quest, including a new Star Wars game that's coming out today, and this is yesterday, as well as a Medal of Honor game slated for 2020. On the other end of the spectrum, some games from Oculus's cheaper Go headset are coming to the Quest starting next week. Oculus also says it's going to let Quest users from or Quest users turn off tracking uh, when they're seated to make casual viewing of media apps easier and more comfortable from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Let's get into our third story. Uh, it's a very simple one. Death Stranding has gone gold. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, this comes from Hideo Kojima's Twitter. Uh, he tweeted, got the gold master approval. It's been three years since the studio's inception, able to mark the first se step as the new Kojima Productions. Thanks to Sony, Gorilla, cast members, musicians, artists, staff, and fans for supporting us uh, from the start and for all the way through. So it seems like uh, Death Stranding's not going to get delayed. It no. seems like it's it's here. I, it seems like look, I I'm impressed with, you know, how fast Yeah. how fast we got from, you know, all that Konami kerfuffle to them actually having this game out which suggests maybe this idea was formed in Kojima's oh, head for yeah. a very long yes. time, right? Like he had time to mull this over and really kind of perfect it in his brain before they even started working on it. It just feels 
it feels early for that game to come out. It I know does. some people have been waiting for a long time, but like I, you know, I, mean, I, it's I thought been, it would get bumped one more time. Like they, uh, I think Sony announced their collaboration with Kojima at the end of 2015. Yeah, and they revealed Death Stranding at the following E3 in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, so it's been it's been between then and now that they were able to. Of it's, course, like Kojima probably had the idea, but like. That's a quick development. It, it's yeah, it's a long time for a regular game, but like you know, with him not being able to tap into his Metal Gear characters and then kind yeah. of like the established gameplay, and like he's obviously doing some very different things in this game. I think it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, with with basically a, a startup team, like a new dev developer, even if there's some some uh, a lot of uh, old Kojima mainstays in mm-hmm. there. But yeah, uh, I'm really excited about this game, man. I, you know, I went to Gamescom um, in August, and uh, you know, got to see the got to see the demo, and you know, uh, the unveil at uh, Jeff Keighley's event of some of the new gameplay concepts, and and the happy waving Jeff Keighley as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think it looks really cool. Like, I don't, I actually don't get some of the negativity online. I think maybe it is because we've seen too much, mm-hmm. and I think maybe people really wanted a return to like that Metal Gear stealth plus gunplay concept and obviously yeah. there's some of that stuff in here but like i just love this sense of a game where you're you know it's it's almost like a christopher nolan sci-fi movie where you're like on a foreign planet and you're like you're, you're on a strange planet you're trying to figure out like you you're kind of trying to figure out the world and your relationship to it i, I think it's really intriguing and i have confidence that the the game the the way the game feels and the the way the story goes, that it will be interesting to play. But mm. who knows? And some obviously some bonkers multiplayer elements in this game as well. Yeah, I'm really excited for. It. I've been a fan of Metal Gear yeah. forever, and so like you know to see this game come out and be uh, something that I imagine is Kojima's like you know love child or whatever, cool. right? Like I'm really excited for it. Uh, Pear, you're more knowledgeable than me about this. Uh, I imagine. Um, if a game, if a game goes gold, goes gold, yeah, is there any way that it could still be delayed or rejected? Like, I mean, yeah. yeah, obviously. Look, the 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 idea of a game goes going gold goes back to the age of discs. Remember those kids, mm-hmm. um, where you know literally the the master disc was a gold color as opposed to your regular you know happy rainbow silver CD color. Yeah, um, and so that's what it means. But in today's world, it doesn't actually mean all that, right? Like, mm. if there could be a game-destroying bug at the end um, that uh, may ca- might cause a delay in that they they say, well, okay, we'll ship the, we, we won't ship the discs to retailers yet. Yeah. Um, it's It means we consider this game done. We will obviously do launch patches, but the game will work if you don't have an internet connection. You just pop the disc in is what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't actually mean that. Mm. Let's get into our fourth news story. Daisy gets its second official map soon. This comes from Anna Bonafe. I really hope I pronounced that <laughs> correctly. You nailed it. Thanks. <laughs> over over on the PlayStation blog, um, it ri- it reads, Bohemia Interactive is proud to announce the upcoming release of the first official DLC for their hit hardcore survival game, Daisy's second official map, Livonia. Will be a- available uh, to purchase soon on PS4 and is showcased in our new trailer. Based on the recently released map from the Arma 3 Contact spinoff expansion, the Livonia region brings a fresh new experience to the, to the post-apocalyptic world of DayZ, with vast green landscapes, dense expansive forests, serene lakes, and winding rivers, the 163-kilometer Livonia map offers the perfect backdrop uh, for any survi- survivor lost in the wild. So there you go. Uh, Daisy fans, and, and then last news story, our fifth one: Bandai uh, sues at Games over Miss Pac-Man mini arcade cabinet. This comes from GamesIndustry.biz's Hayden Taylor. It reads. Bandai Namco Entertainment America has filed a lawsuit against developer at Games for alleged copyright infringement over its use of the Miss Pac-Man character. Filed last week at the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California, the lawsuit also alleges counterfeiting, unfair competition, and false advertising. Details of the case date back to 2012 when At Games CEO Ping Kang Ping Kong Ping Kang actually you can probably read this name better than I can. Well, I don't speak Chinese, but oh, Ping, China, Ping okay. Kang Xiong, I'm assuming. Awesome. Reportedly approached uh, Bandai with a, pro- a proposition to sell. Uh, plug-and-play handheld devices featuring Miss Pac-Man. Bandai, quote, expressly and rejected his proposal, end quote, 
and in the years since, At Games has since uh, has sent multiple licensing proposals to Bandai, some of which have been accepted. In the filing, Bandai stresses that while it had had a working relationship with At Games, it had it never granted permission for At Games to use the Miss Pac-Man uh, property in any way. Last year, At Games was developing a product that included the original uh, Pac-Man license. However, Bandai alleges that At Games failed to uphold its end of the agreement, producing something that was quote materially different end quote from the from the approved version, which caused quote irreparable harm to uh, to Bandai's reputation and goodwill end quote. Um, then in August this year, Bandai was alerted to the existence of a Miss Pac-Man home arcade cabinet developed by At Games. The cabinet features copyrighted images and characters, and Bandai alleges that the Miss Pac-Man software was included without its permit permission. Furthermore, Bandai alleges that At Games sold the product to retailers, making false claims that the Miss Pac-Man arcade cabinet uh, was alleged was legitimately licensed. The court has been asked to award an injunction against At Games and put the case before a jury. So, uh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, th this is, uh, that was a long read. It was a long uh, read. <laughs> the, it's, it's always interesting to me when relationships between companies break down like this. You mm -hmm. can tell that obviously they had a working relationship. They had licensed stuff to each other. Mm -hmm. Just so people know, like companies like Bandai, Taito, like some of the old kind of arcade game uh, licensed rights holders are very litigious. Like if you use Space Invaders in your art, they will yeah. come after you. If you use Pac-Man in your art, you didn't get a license, they'll come after you, and rightfully so, right? They need to assert that because they they will they obviously want to uh, monetize their marks and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so these two companies had a relationship. Something went wrong, and I think that's the interesting part of the story. Like what happened with uh, with this Pac-Man thing that yeah. that uh, where, where this relationship broke apart because usually they would have resolved this thing like, hey, in our contract we didn't specify Miss Pac-Man, so you got to pay us extra and they come to some agreement but this is ugly like yeah. things got ugly they went public they got it's a suit and all of that and of course Bandai's gonna win this like unless there's something yeah. in the contract that mentions Miss Pac-Man and the ability the, the the option to create this machine this sounds like um, this sounds like Ad Games is a little screwed I'm curious uh, to see how this all ends up playing out well, but that I'm... means at games we'll have to pay money to Bandai. Oh yeah, but that's so <laughs> and then far. Maybe they'll make up and they'll make some more Bandai property games. Who knows? But that's so far away. When we figure that out, yep. if I wanted to know uh, wh where, if hold on, if I wanted to know what is coming up, this is one of Greg Miller's transitions. <laughs> uh, if I wanted to know what is coming to Mom and Grop shops today. Where would I go? Oh, I'm very familiar with Greg. <laughs> transitions. Uh, it's the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the kind of kind of funny games daily show hosts each and every weekday. See, I wanted to go back to like saying beyond in it. So, oh, yeah. That's also a great thing. Yeah. Um, out today, we have Gunvolt Chronicles, Luminous Avenger <laughs> IX uh, for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Darksiders 2 Definitive Edition for Switch. Northguard for Switch, uh, followed by PlayStation 4 on October 3rd and Xbox One on October 4th. Fight and Rage for Switch. Reaper Tale of a Pale Swordsman for Switch. Cyber Protocol for Switch. Habroxia for Switch. Barry Bradford's Putt Panic Party for Switch. Four hours later for Switch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Paper Train for Switch. Oh, yeah, Taste Thursday, isn't it? Uh -huh. um, <laughs> button Button Up for Switch. The Kingdom Crumble for PC and Mac. Wanderlust Travel Stories for PC and Mac. Bath 4 for PC. Fishery for PC. And A Story Beside for PC. Um, and Rage 2's first expansion, Rise of Ghosts, is available now for PC, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. New dates? Val Ferris, uh, the the heavy medi or no heavy medi heavy metal uh, action platformer will be available to download as follows: October tenth on PC, um, that's Steam, GOG, and Humble, and and Nintendo Switch. November fifth uh, and sixth uh, on PS4, and November eighth on Xbox One. Uh, we have a deal of the day. Uh, Thimbleweed Park is ten dollars currently on the US eShop. Good game. Yeah. Uh, I've heard really good things about it. I haven't played it, but I, I that's one that I, is on my adventure. list to check out. Horizon Zero Dawn, a completed edition, is $12.88 on Amazon. That's a steal. Seriously. Come on. And then everything in Metro 2033 Redux is free on Epic Games. So when I say everything, 
there's a game called Everything. Everything isn't, it's not literally everything is free. It's a game called Everything. And very interesting looking game. I'm, I haven't played it. I don't know if you've. I have not, no. Yeah, I, it, it's a very, very interesting looking, looking game. game. Weird looking game. That's the one where you can turn into anything, right? Yes, That's it's right. the one that, where you yeah. play as everything. Yeah, um, yeah everything in Metro 23, or tw Metro 2033 Redux uh, is free on the Epic Game Store. So check is, those out. This is the Please Like Us offer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, I mean, look, can't complain about that. Now it is Metro's time. Fun. Now it is time for reader mail. You can write into Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, the, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Upstart. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy. Getting out of debt is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest interest rates to help you pay off interest. Hi, pay off high interest uh, credit card debt. Um, I know Greg, uh, when he first moved to San Francisco, he could have used Upstart because his, his credit was in the trash. He needed this, but he didn't have this. But you can have this um, because Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when, assess when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you, and they understand that. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check out your, your rate in just a few minutes. The best part, once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next day. The next day, over 300,000 people uh, have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. Free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt by con consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. Even... or. See uh, why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 biz businesses on Trustpilot uh, and hurry to upstart.com slash kfgames to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and won't affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash kfgames. Kevin, I, I understand the struggle, man, on uh, Screencast. Oh, my God. It's so Dude, real. it's, it's so you, harder than it looks. Have, you, don't have, you don't have Tim just giggling to your side. Oh, yeah. Thank God. Let's get into viewer questions. Uh, 2038 Pokemon CEO writes in and says, Pear, KFBFs often get advice for obtaining a job for sites like IGN, but the information is skewed towards the editorial and news teams. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for people looking at other teams, such as marketing, finance, or sales? Yeah, it's a really good question. Obviously, uh, you know, the core of IGN is a... A content production team, right? Editorial, video, and everything that surrounds it. So that could be some technical roles, you know, the stuff that Kevin does to make sure that mm -hmm. everything runs. But there are also other technical roles, right? There, uh, tech ops, programming jobs, you know, maintenance, IT. Uh, there's sales, marketing. Uh, I would say finance because we're part of a big company. Usually, companies like IGN don't have, you know, a lot of uh, like a big internal finance team that's usually centralized so you know for IGN in this case I would be looking at our parent company Ziff Davis and the jobs that they have to offer and so mm. think that through like when you're looking at companies are they likely to have their own HR or their own finance or their own marketing teams or are they part of a bigger portfolio company and then you go to the portfolio company and the jobs are right there and that's a really good way to get closer to a team like IGN because you are working on finance for IGN as part of this mm. Davis. So that's my advice, number one, always look at the bigger picture. Two is, you know what, these, these jobs are, are posted across so many different platforms. Um, I would say that you know, in some of those roles, an understanding of the landscape is really important too, right? Like somebody in the finance team or the marketing team, uh, obviously, who knows the industry and, you know, when the next console generation is going to come out, will be able to give better advice, better estimates, understand budgets better. And then on the sales side, it really is all about experience. Mm -hmm. Like it's that that's the thing that sucks. And it it is getting a little harder uh, especially in California, to land freelance experience or get internships because there's so many laws and regulations around that, that kind of some companies are a little bit more careful with offering uh, fellowships and, and that sort of stuff. But look out for that. You want to get your foot in the door somewhere. The moment you have one company's name on your resume, even if it is not in the games and media space, that's, you know, that's the way to keep mm. on stepping up and up and up until you land at a company like ours. Awesome. Borson00 writes in and says, Good morning, blessing, and pear. Ah, P-E-A-R. I like it. <laughs> he misspelled both No, it's names. all good. He, uh, but but that's, the, uh, that's the right pronunciation. Of course. 
Oculus and Facebook uh, dropped a bomb yesterday with saying starting in November you can you can just plug a USB 3.0 cable that has a Type C connector into the into the Quest and uh, Vala voila 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 okay mm-hmm. there you go uh, you have a PC PC compatible VR headset that can play just about every VR game out now so my question is did Oculus just win the VR hardware game like the only thing it is missing is wireless it's so the question is the person who bought the the quest did they buy the quest because it is a standalone headset and they have a powerful computer at home because remember in order to run this rift stuff you do need beefy hardware right or are there people who didn't want to spend that much didn't want to be tethered to their platform didn't want to put up uh, didn't want it to be so complicated and actually have a good gaming pc certainly for people who bought the quest fell in love with vr and are planning to buy one of these platforms, I mean, like, why would you switch at this point, right? I, mm-hmm. I think it's a, this is an awesome move. Like, as someone who's been waiting even for, you know, some of the the easier to pull off games like Vacation Simulator come out on the Quest, um, this is really good news. Yeah. I'm going to have to s- steal my son's Alienware, though, for this, <laughs> so I hope he's cool with that. <laughs> Payback. Borzen, here's, you say the, the only thing that, uh, is, that is missing is wireless, but the Oculus Quest is wireless, right? Wireless connection to your PC is what he's talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I like see. being able to stream the I games. See. That's obviously the you know that's the best case scenario having an ever evolving PC hardware gaming yeah. system and the you know basically goggles that can receive the data as you upgrade and, yeah. and it gets better and better. And every yeah. five years you upgrade because you want better display and resolution. How far away do you think we are from that being a thing? It's it's so tough to tell. The VR market is so so different because it mm. is it has this really big barrier to entry where like some people look at it and say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to look like an idiot. Right? Like yeah. that's the that's the thing with headsets. But yeah. you know, it's like if you think about it, like if you made a movie where people go back in, uh, like from, from back in time, come to the future, and they see people walking around like this, they'll probably say, I don't want to look like an idiot and have one of these yeah. things either, right? So yep. I think it'll take a little while for that to become more accepted, for them to break down the barrier. AR, you know, everybody's excited about AR because you can see the real world and you're not kind of shut out from it. Mm-hmm. Quest does the kind of black and white display while you have it on, so you can see the real world, like like Kevin said. Um, yeah. I I mean I think it's gonna I think it's gonna take a while because like uh again like it's the barrier to entry is a very expensive PC even when yeah. you're streaming right which That's, is yeah which is why I want to I'm very curious on uh how PlayStation furthers PSVR because yeah. you know PSVR has less of a barrier to entry because uh, many people already own a PlayStation and PSVR is affordable so now the question is when the next PlayStation hardware comes out and you know, obviously it's you know they'll continue their VR story. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, it's not so affordable, right? Like, if there's yeah. a new headset at launch or a new edition of VR, mm-hmm. um, maybe there won't be. Then it's not this kind of ne- like neat tiered step up where, like, halfway through the console lifecycle, mm-hmm. you're spending additional dollars to buy this thing. Suddenly, you have this giant bulk sum if you want the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I definitely think that's really cool. The, I, that's how I got introduced to VR, honestly, in a serious fashion, is with the PlayStation. Because, yeah, I, I was looking for something to to upgrade to with my PlayStation Four and. Uh, you know, really yeah. dug it. I do believe uh, earlier in the year when the first PS5 details started to come out, I think one of the details was that the current PlayStation VR will be will compatible yeah. Yeah, with the next, with the next mm-hmm. system. And so I imagine that, like, yeah, it probably won't launch because they're probably, they would probably wait for more people to have the PS5. But it'll definitely, it'll show its yeah. age, though. That's the it issue, will. right? Resolution is low, and it's like, it's like Neo jacked into the Matrix with PSVR. There, there are too many cables with this thing, right? So, um It'll be, huh? I was gonna say, do you think there's any chance that we see a like an integrated setup with a, a new PlayStation? Like, so when like if you want to do VR, all you have to do is buy like the actual headset. Yeah, and then hmm. all the components that come in the little box are already in the console. I mean, look, look at Quest, right? Like, yeah. Sony is a hardware company. Right. Like, they can definitely pull off something like like the Quest and integrate PlayStation hardware, whether it's like between PS3 and PS4 power or whatnot. Yeah, I, I do think that's possible. The but, question is if they want to split the market. But I, definitely the whole tether thing is a hurdle, and people don't like that. And I yeah. think companies are going to spend a lot of time, whether it's streaming from your PlayStation directly in the same room or some other solution, they're going to spend a lot of time making that easier. Evan writes in and says, Hi, Blessing and Mr. I- IGN, a.k.a. <laughs> Pear. 
after listening to the show yesterday and hearing the talk about auto chess and battle chess, do you think that Humanity, the game announced at the recent State of Play, is Sony's offering into this genre? Unlike Xbox, Sony doesn't have many live service games, and I could see this as a move from uh, from them trying to get into that scene. Thanks and enjoy the rest of your week, Blessing. Thank you, Evan. Um, I don't think that, given the studio that's working on it. So it's Enhanced Studio Studios studios i guess studios that works on um they've done tetris effect and res infinite um which are more they're like one one and done experiences yeah they're They're not tetris 99s they're like they don't evolve much right exactly but also like they are uh more like artsy like hey we're going Mm -hmm. to give you like you know res and tetris had a big focus on music exactly Mm -hmm. um and you know uh battle chess and auto chess has to do with strategy and they, they and and I don't, those seem seem very separated as far as like the focuses they have versus the focus that that would take. Um, also, like I don't think Sony would be really invested in getting a first party. Uh, I, I, even though I don't think Enhance is first party at all, but uh, getting a first uh, getting a um, in, an auto chess or battle chess game um, because that is more of a PC, I believe, like focused audience. Um, and I, I assume that would be also be difficult to play on console. And yeah. So, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by humanity. I'm curious yeah. to see wh- what it will be like. Uh, you know, I'm always happy when genres that I thought nobody was playing anymore are coming back and then are mm. convincing us otherwise. Like Pikmin was a great example where, you know, people said RTS on consoles, nobody will play them. And like people are playing Pikmin, which is yes. a take on an RTS. And like, I, I'm hopeful that we'll see uh, that this game is going to be a success because the other games are really good. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, we haven't seen a lot from from Sony on the on on the live service games front, but um, yeah. if we know one thing is that the console makers are influencing itself through their life cycle of the machines, and mm-hmm. you know obviously you know others are are a little bit more active on that front. And I think Sony will. will yeah, and the, like the way I kind of use Sony as far as like you know what type of games they try to bring to their audience, it is the games that are you know single player. Um, you know, action games, narrative adventure stuff mm-hmm. that like you know may not necessarily last a long time as far as like gameplay time. As far as like like they they're not necessarily going for these service games. They're going for these experiences that they can put on their console in order to sell the console. You know, you're buying right a now. PS4, right now, at least I will say right now. But yeah. remember this: like we're at a point where gaming is going to change a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. the concept of buying single games that's everybody's familiar with that it will be the same for as these new consoles launch but we're moving towards a subscription setup for gaming in the future right like Mm. it's inevitable music and movies have shown the way and gaming eventually will follow there's still kind of like that sense of no i want that ownership i want to be able to give my game away but like it's inevitable and so when you have subscription services the companies running them have to work really hard to retain you, mm-hmm. and that means some experiences that last longer and that you come back to. So I wouldn't count them out. I think there's there, there are definitely some smart people at Sony thinking about that. You know, as they obviously have a lot of services out already for streaming and you know long mm-hmm. subscription plans. The five star man writes in and says, "Hey, blessing and pair. I'm curious what your thoughts on Respawn Games taking over the Medal of Honor franchise and bringing it to VR are." Do you think being in VR will be a breath of fresh air for the do- for the dormant franchise, or will this be another Medal of Honor game released to to little or no fanfare? If it is successful, do you think we could see a trend of older IPs being being brought back in the form of VR titles? I'm excited to I'm excited for Pair to be on and keep killing it this week. Blessing the five star man. Thank you so much, the five star man. I so first of all. Um, Will it be another Medal of Honor game? Like we've seen, you know, companies try to reboot classic game franchises mm-hmm. and then putting them out as free-to-play titles or kind of like triple B games sometimes. Uh, Respawn is not that kind of studio. Like they they experiment. Uh, they put a lot of thought and a lot of time into making these games. So I have high hopes for this. Um, Medal of Honor was one of those games. Like I absolutely, I I loved its audio design when you know when the franchise was new and fresh. I'm like, this sounds so different from every other war game. And I was from playing the very first one. I was like intent. I'm like, I'm gonna stick with this franchise. I really like that take. And then they got overtaken and they mm-hmm. they stopped innovating. And like every other game became like this and and did the shooting mechanics and the storytelling mechanics better. It was a real shame. 
I don't think Medal of Honor needs to be rebooted in VR for it to be notable. Like somebody just needs needs to step needs to take a stab at this franchise to do something different from Call of Duty. Do something you know that's either like super mature and serious or something that is a little bit more like you know Inglorious Bastards or some some other take uh, take on it. That mm -hmm. said, we haven't seen like you know World War II or even Modern War shooting done that well in VR yeah. and if there's one company I trust with trying that it's Respawn. It is Respawn. Yeah, that that is very true because it, Respawn has had what Apex Legends, you know, yep. was their hit this year, right? They did Titanfall 2 which was an excellent excellent game. Um and so yeah, like I think they they would be the ones to do it. I think whether or not uh this Medal of Honor VR games is success is successful. We've already seen uh games like old older IPs come out and be VR games, right? Like there's uh, the Space Channel Five VR game that we're uh, talking about on uh, during the the State of Play stream, right? There's um, LA Noir, right, which also came out hmm. came out as a VR game, right? We're seeing like a lot of VR experiences already uh, from older IPs, and I think that's going to continue because I think that's a it's an easy way in order to sell a new idea, right? Especially for IP that are dormant that are just sitting there collecting a collecting up dust, you know, repackage it, turning into turn it into this new thing to sell this new idea. I think that makes sense. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, the companies are able to take an element from a game that may have been like a gameplay element or kind of like a micro game and then blow it out and turn it into something different on on VR and like mm -hmm. I you know, I'm I'm not sitting here excited about like StarCraft or, you know, Advanced Wars in VR. Actually, I'd, I'd be happy with any Advanced <laughs> Wars. Like you can even put it on my phone. Just make one. Mm -hmm. um, but like, but but I like it when they take an element. Like you know, if you take the 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 dating element out of a Fire Emblem game and you yeah. you spin that out into a VR game, I think that's really cool because then those two ex experiences can exist side by side. Um, I do like. I am worried about like games that I really love and that I want to be able to play sitting on my couch or on the go. If those franchises turned into VR only, I'd be really worried. But, yeah, yeah. But if it's about bringing back dead games or games we haven't seen updates for, or like experiences where maybe not that many people are into the genre, I think that's a that's a really good way to like incubate and and kind of grow a new following. Mm. Now it's time for squad up. Uh, this squad up comes from Boards and Zero Zero. Uh, Boards and writes in and says, "I created the kind of funny Kansas." city meetup group on twitter if you're part of the kansas city metro area and follow please also fill out the google form on the twitter page so we can go ahead and get some good ideas on how to on how many people to expect at locations uh where we should meet where, where we should meet up and even get ideas on how you want the twitter channel ran also if you don't have twitter and want some sort of communication feel free to email kind of funny kc at gmail.com as i will create some sort of email list there and so if you are, if you are in kansas city i uh, want to meet up with fellow best friends hit up borzen zero zero on twitter um or email kind of funny at gmail.com to get involved now it's time for your wrong where you guys can write in uh, to kind of funny.com slash you wrong and let us know uh, some of the stuff we've got in incorrect this episode let's see here uh Aaron L. White writes in and says, was not Sea of Thieves, that was, that was yet another new pirate multiplayer game coming soon called Atlas. I don't know what that is correcting, because I don't think we brought up Sea of Thieves this no, episode. that kid's crazy. That might have been... I, guess, <laughs> I don't even know if we talked about Sea of Thieves yesterday. <laughs> Actually, we probably did talk about Sea of Thieves yesterday. Maybe, I was from yesterday. Oh, you know what? I know what he's talking about. It's because we talked about Inside Xbox, and I think I mentioned Sea of Thieves being talked about on there, so we might be talking uh, about off. that. There's something wrong with him. Uh, let's see here... The nanobiologist writes in and says Sony is set to stream with Microsoft's Azure service, service servers based on a deal from earlier this year. Uh, Cry Scott writes in and says in regards to the PS5 backwards compatibility, uh, it has already been confirmed that it will be backwards compatible. Interesting. Watch out though what that means, whether that's hardware or whether that's streaming. Mm. We don't know that. That's a very good point. Uh, Game Jumper X writes in and says Sony said Sony said that their next generation system well okay that's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, the nanobiologist also writes in and says Oculus said you only need a USB C, not a USB three cable to use Oculus Link. That might have been a typo in the article or I can't imagine like the USB two point could handle it. No, you you can do I think you can do USB C but it will the standard it will not charge. So you do need a type three if you want to play and charge. I think that's that was the distinction. Yeah. Or maybe somebody screwed up. Who knows? Mm -hmm. We'll find out. 
Uh, and then we have one more here from Blessing Senior. I'm sure my dad's not watching the show. <laughs> uh, it says, it's been around three years of de- development for Death Stranding, which would be really quick for a game being developed uh, from the ground up. Okojima uses the Decima engine from Gorilla, making their own engine. And then this, uh, the, the Excel I, I, file kind of just trails off for some reason, dude, so I can't yeah. read the rest. <laughs> he sounds exactly like your dad. Does yeah. he sound like, sound like my dad? Well, but that's good. look, that's good context, right? Like he started with a new company, a new brand, new IP, new story, all of that, and a new partner. But obviously, he was able to use an established and obviously good engine. But you know, like it's that's the same for every other other developer. They could be uh, using Unreal and all that. And like mm-hmm. I always feel like Kojima has this ambition to make these really big games that do new stuff and. So it's still pretty surprising he got that done in three years. I know, it sounds crazy saying three years as if that's some like, sort of achievement. It's like it, that's a long time. But for what the game time. looks like, that, that's also, that, that to me seems very quickly. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Like when we see the trailers and stuff, I'm like, all right, I get what this game is. And then suddenly there's like a flashback <laughs> to a Vietnam sequence. And like, wait a second. What's like, happening? okay, what's all this? And then he's running around with a gun. You're like, what? Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's the last. You're wrong. Uh, tomorrow's host. Good. We did well, dude. We did it. We yeah. didn't screw up too much. We did not. Like, on, thank you. Um, I think on, without research on Tuesday. <laughs> on Tuesday, you're wrong, which is flooded. And I like looked at it, and I was like, "This is overwhelming," and I just closed it. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> we, I, we did good today, pair. Of course, tomorrow's hosts are going to be me and my friend Alex Van Aken of OKBeast.com. It's going to be a good one. I can promise you that. Um, and then yeah, that's it. That's been kind of funny. Games Daily, pair. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciated this. Thanks for having me. I know me. it was probably like a weird email to come in, <laughs> to come in to be like, hey, like, you know, come host with this random dude that we found off the street that was selling mixtapes. Always but, happy to be here, man. Yeah, yeah that's, it's great to meet you too. And thank you for, uh, thank you for thinking of me, of course, for this. Yeah, thank you for coming here. Um, until next time, it's been my pleasure to serve you. Get the thing. It's supposed to shake hands. Oh, there you go. Oh, thank you. Sell mixtapes?